Thanks, Ashling. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all on this phenomenal Sunday afternoon. Um, we had a great time at our family uh, games night last night. Uh, it was so much fun seeing Wesley just run around. And for those of you who were there, you had a, I'm sure you had a blast. I saw a lot of you laughing, smiling. Uh, I just want to let you know I killed at beach volleyball. Thank you very much. Don't let my height fool you. I can jump. I got some hops. So um, it was awesome. So, so good. <sighs> Jesus is so good. He's just so good. <laughs> and this morning, this morning while I was praying, I generally like to pray when I'm brushing my teeth. I figure I'm getting rid of bad stuff, so I might as well just get some good stuff in. Um, while I was praying, I had this picture uh, come into my mind for today. And I saw the breath of God, the wind of God blowing across this auditorium. And I saw the breath of God blowing across hearts, and hearts that were stone were becoming soft. Hearts that were dim were becoming freshly ignited. And I believe that this morning, the wind of God, the Holy Spirit, is blowing on us to blow us to Him. He's moving us to His heart. And so for those of you who are in this room, or those of you who are watching online, and you are feeling like your heart has been hard, or your heart has been cold, I want to release fresh hope into you, that your Father knows you, and He's calling you, and He's drawing you closer to Him, that He is bringing you into Himself, and the Holy Spirit is blowing on us. He's blowing across us. He's moving on us and in us and through us. And what we're going to do in a second is I'm just going to invite you to stand up and lift your hands up. But this is why. I've been reading in John 3 where Jesus describes the Spirit and he says that the Spirit is like the wind. You do not see where it comes from. You do not see where it's going. But what you can do is you can see the effects of the wind. And what I've been considering is that we need to, be, we need to learn how to become really good sailors right? Because sailors don't manufacture the wind. Sailors don't produce the wind. But sailors know what to do when the wind shows up. Sailor know, sailors know when to raise the mast or draw the, I don't, I don't know sailing terms, I'm sorry. But I believe that this morning the Holy Spirit is showing up and breathing on us. And so I'm going to invite you, would you just stand with me? And would, would you raise your hands in the air just as a symbolic expression of, God, here we are. God, here we are, and we raise the sails of our hearts. We raise the sails of our lives. Come and blow on us. Come and move us closer to you. Every heart, Abba, every heart that is hard right now, we bless you to be softened by the Holy Spirit. Every heart that is dim, we bless you to be inflamed once again with the passionate love of Jesus. We bless you with the reality of the kingdom of heaven. And we say, come Holy Spirit. Would you just pray this with me? Come Holy Spirit. Fill the sail of my life. Come and fill me completely. I'm just getting a picture of some of you who, are, who have been rowing with oars and it's been really, really difficult. All of a sudden, this fresh breeze is coming and you can, put, you can take the oars in and you can raise the sail as the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us. So we say, come Holy Spirit. 
Okay, one more thing. I want you to turn to someone around you. Turn to your neighbor. I want you to put your hand on their shoulder. And I want you to take a minute. I just want you to pray for them like you would want to be prayed for. I want you to begin to bless them to be moved by the Holy Spirit this morning. For the Holy Spirit to come and blow on their hearts. For Holy Spirit to come and blow on their mind. For Holy Spirit to come and ha blow across their bodies and their families and their finances, their relationships. We bless each one of you in the mighty name of Jesus with the power, the wind of God, the supernatural energy of God coming into you. We command all hopelessness to come off. Some of you in this room have been absolutely hopeless, feeling stuck. And in the mighty name of Jesus, release fresh hope into your heart, fresh hope into your mind, fresh hope into your spirit, that God sees you and loves you and has not forgotten about you. There's someone who I, who I hear is just speaking to themselves, God has forgotten about me. And I hear the Father saying, that is not true. I am with you. I'm Emmanuel with you. Amen. Amen. All right, well, I invite you to take your seat. This morning as we were praying, we've, we had a couple words come in, and they confirmed some of the things that I was planning on preaching on, which is always exciting. Come on. And some of the things we were hearing was that God this morning is awakening hard hearts, just like I shared. He's awakening. Actually, there are some of you who, are be, who have just felt like you're numb, and God in his goodness, is coming to you this morning to awaken you, and the Holy Spirit is blowing on you to blow you to him. He is the breath of God who blows us to God, blows us to Jesus. And if I'm being honest, I'm a new father. That is me being honest. I'm a new father. So, you know. Um, yeah, it's amazing. My... What, what's that? So transparent. Yes, I, I try. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Andrea and I have two young kids under two. It's phenomenal. Um, Wesley turns two tomorrow, actually. Uh, and it's really, really exciting. And Hazel is about to be seven months old, which is mind-blowing. Uh, and like all new parents, I feel like I'm just coming out of the new parent fog. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the past few years have been fairly significant for me. Uh, 2017, Wesley was born. 2018, Hazel was born. 2019, the Raptors won. I mean, it's just, I told Hendria that, and she's like, John, one of those things is not like the other. And I went, well, honey, it's pretty close. Because most people are waiting for the rapture. I've been waiting for the rapture. So I'm just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it is terrible. I'm sorry. That's a terrible joke. You know, as a dad, I found that my sense of humor has changed. It really, really has changed. Just terribly. Uh, I, you can ask any of my friends. It has changed. Things I never used to find funny and now find hilarious. And I find it a little bit difficult to relate to adults now because of that. It's true. I, actually, here, do, do you find this funny? No, no. See, that's what I mean. I have trouble relating sometimes. That's all right. 
over the past couple of months, I've been in the new parent fog. And I found going from one kid to two kids has been both, both joyous and also terrifying at the same time. Um, <laughs> it's terrifying. I had, I found that my, my time for myself has dramatically been cut, cut short. And I expect that as we have more kids, it's just going to continue. You know, as we have three, four, five, seven, ten, I don't know. Hendria's home. She doesn't know about this. I'm just letting you know. I'm sure that my, my time's just going to be cut even more short. And I've found myself, I found myself struggling to connect with the Lord in ways that I normally did before. I found myself finding it difficult in worship. I've found myself struggling in the word, actually, which has been really, really difficult for me because I love scripture. I love discovering Jesus within the pages of the Bible. I love meeting him. I love learning about him, learning him. I love experiencing him. There's so much that we can encounter God within in the pages of scripture, and I found myself struggling with it. I'm still reading, but it doesn't feel like the life the vibrancy, the passion has been there. Do you know what I mean? And so I found myself in some ways almost feeling like I'm numb. And yet in other ways, I found myself having to dig deep. And as I'm digging deep, I'm finding God. I'm finding him afresh and I'm finding him anew. And, and to Today, I want to speak to you about the glory of the mundane. Because I, I find that sometimes I get home, the kids are waiting for me, is the best to walk in the house and your little boy comes running up to you and he smiles and then he laughs and then he jumps to tackle you or hug you or whatever else. And I'll get home and I'm like, oh shoot, I gotta mow the lawn. Oh, I gotta do the dishes. Oh, I gotta paint this not house, I gotta paint this room, I gotta refinish this table, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. And it's like the, the list of chores has just grown exponentially. And I'm finding that in the midst of that, I'm beginning to encounter God by mowing the grass. And the way that that's beginning to happen is as I'm mowing the grass, you know, when you first started, you're like, oh, great, I got to mow the grass again. Oh, great, I got to do the dish dishes again. Oh, great, I got to change the bed sheet because I've already spit up on it for the fifth time in a row. Great, thank you. I find that actually, actually my heart starts coming alive when I start speaking out thanks to God. When I start going, God, thank you so much. Oh, God, I'm mowing this grass. Thank you for causing the grass to grow. Thank you that I have grass to mow. Thank you that your word, which is eternal, your word, which is true, your word has not failed because the grass is still growing. Thank you that you are still the same. And as I start to, as I start to circle my lawn, my heart begins to expand with love for God. I find that as, I'm, as one of my kids has pooped and I need to change a diaper and I take them over to the change table for the umpteenth time, and I, and I lie them down, and they're looking at me, and they're smiling, but I know what surprise they're hiding, and they're still smiling at me, and I, I, un, I undo their diaper, and 
I look and I see a most hideous sight and then all of a sudden the smell hits me like a wall. I find I got two thoughts going through my mind. One, surely there's got to be more to life than just changing diapers. Surely there's got to be more. This is a pretty crappy situation, if you know what I mean, right? And then, and then the second thought that comes in is, God, thank you. Thank you that they're growing. Thank you that this isn't forever. Thank you that you are causing my kids to be full of your life and your vibrancy. And this poop is a sign of that. Thank you. In the middle of the night, when I stumbled to Hazel's room in a, in a sleep-induced stupor, and I sit down and I'm holding her and rocking her and shushing her, I have to remind myself, God, thank you. I am so incredibly grateful right now. This is my grateful face. Thank you, Jesus. I've never been more joyful than I am right now because they are growing and she is getting through this. Thank you, Jesus. And I stumble back to bed. And I find that by doing this, that he has started to meet me in ways I never expected. In fact, I find that he's drawing my heart deeper in ways that I never imagined. And I would have missed it had I thought, oh no, God must be angry with me. God must be frustrated with me. God must be withdrawing himself to teach me a lesson. No, sometimes God changes the way he's speaking to us to draw us further into him. He changes the way he's speaking to us to cause our hearts to come alive to him in a new way. He changes the way he's speaking to us so that we can begin to grasp him in a fresh, new way. And it's not punishment. Sometimes he hides himself, not from us, but for us. Because he is part of the joy of seeking him out and discovering his goodness. And I'm discovering his goodness with my kids. I'm discovering his goodness in the mundane tasks. I'm discovering him. And I would have missed it had I gone. Well, I always encounter God like that in worship, and it's not happening. Oh, I always encounter God like this in the Bible, and it's not happening. Oh, I always talk to my friend, and I, I can sense, I can feel God, and it's not happening. Oh, I, and I'm going to my Ignite group, and I'm just not getting anything out of it. So therefore, I need to stop. And what I want to look at is I want to look at a psalm that actually talks a little bit about this. And then we're going to talk about how we can respond. So turn with me to Psalm 42. And we are actually going to read Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. Because they are actually one psalm. And this was written by a son of Korah. And the son of Korah was actually a paid musician. He was in full-time Christian ministry. He would lead others into the presence of God. And this is what he knew. This is what he was used to. And we're going to see how this has changed for him. All right, so Psalm 42. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, Where is your God? 
I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walk with many leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why am I so depressed? Why is this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as of crushing my bones, while all day long they say to me, where is your God? Why am I so depressed? Why is this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Vindicate me, God, and defend my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from the deceitful and unjust man. For you are the God of my refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. Your waterfall has come over me, God. Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. Then I will come to the altar of God, to God my greatest joy. I will praise you with the lyre. God, my God, why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. So here you have someone who is used to encountering the presence of God. You have someone who lived in the presence of God. You have someone who, who led others into the presence of God. And now they are mourning. Now they are uh, depressed because they can't encounter God like they used to. Because they haven't encountered God like they've been used to. The first thing, and this is going to be just a little side note. The first thing that we see is that nowhere in the psalm does it mention that this is a cause of sin. Nowhere in the psalm do, do we see that the hardness of heart is because of sin. There are other psalms that talk about this. There are other psalms where the author confesses, the author can then, can then hear what God's saying, but nowhere here is it saying that this is because of a way that he has sinned. This appears to be a way uh, because of circumstances in life. And as an aside, Psalm 51 is a great psalm about repentance. David writes it after he commits adultery with Bathsheba. And in it, he has this line that says, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And when I was younger, I always used to read that and think, well, of course, he's lost the joy of his salvation because he sinned. Sin has caused his heart to become hard. But actually, I now understand it, that he sinned because he lost the joy of his salvation. He sinned because he, because he forgot, because he lost touch with the bigness, the beauty, the wonder of salvation. And he got bored. And that then led him into sin. And there are some of you today who I just feel like God's saying that he wants to restore joy unto you. Joy, unto you, joy in your life that the river will run and the springtime has come. That what it says in Song of Songs, come away, my beloved, come away with me. The winter has passed and there are turtle doves cooing in our land. And some, for some of you, God is speaking that over you where he's calling you 
back into first love with him. The second thing I want you to see is that as you look at this, you realize that he was in community. He was leading people. He was with his friends. He was with his family. He was with his colleagues. And they were worshiping together. But now, he is in the north of the kingdom. That is where the land of Jordan, the peaks of Hermon, Mount Mizar is. When he was in community, he was in the south because that's where the temple was. And so, something has happened and he has removed himself. Some, he has lost his community. And I find that that's one of the first things that tends to happen when people lose community is their hearts start to grow cold and hard. If you're camping by a campfire and it's time for you to put the fire out but you don't want to stay tended, what do you do? You separate the coals. The quickest way to lose your fire is to stop being with others who are on fire. Because God isn't looking for attendance in the body of Christ. He's looking for participation in the body of Christ. It's not about attending on a Sunday morning. It's not about coming and sitting in your seats, uh, watching the worship, watching the preacher, or even watching online. It's about participating in the life of the body. Because as you participate in the life of the body, that life begins to get into you. And I think what happened is what tends to happen to a lot of us Life. Life happens. He had to go away. He had to, leave his, he had to leave his town. He had to leave where he was. And he didn't find community because it was easy not to. Do you know when I feel most disconnected from church is when I haven't been? When I feel most disconnected from church when I haven't picked up the phone and called anyone. I feel most disconnected from you all when I haven't made room or time in my life to say hi. And that's when I feel my heart starting to grow hard. Maybe not at God right away, but maybe at others. And then eventually that translates over to God because God says, how you love your brother is how you love me. And when my heart is hard and when my heart is cold, the last thing I want to do is speak to someone who's on fire for Jesus. The last thing I want to do is hang out with Murray or Ash or Duncan or Kay. I'm just being honest. Because I, I got two thoughts that run to my mind simultaneously when they start talking about the goodness of God. The first is, oh, be quiet. I don't want to hear this. Why are you talking about the goodness of God? Why are you talking? I'm not feeling, I'm not there. And my second thought is, God, with all my heart, I want that. With all my heart, God, I want to be on fire for you. I want to love you. I want to passionately praise you and love you. And I know that they stir me up. And you know what's incredible is that I stir them up. And it begins to happen as it goes back and forth. There's this beautiful joy bomb that gets released as we think and pray and talk about the goodness of God. And it begins to sit centrally here because it takes a community to bring each one of us into the fullness of God.
not individually. And so, don't just attend. Please participate. Jump into the life of community with someone else, with another family, with another friend, with another two friends. We're hitting the summer, and in the summer, we always take time out from church activity so that you can have time for church family. That's why we intentionally don't have as much going on, so that we want people, we want you going to the beach together, going to the lake together, having a cookout, doing stuff together, because we know that the fire continues to get stoked. And we know that the ones who are cold begin to be caught up. So participate. Don't just attend. The second thing I see is that, or sorry, the third thing I see is that the psalmist continues to do his disciplines. Even though he's not getting anything out of it, he's still doing it. As saying, he says here, at night your song is with me. So he's still singing. By day the Lord directs his love, so he's still thinking about the love of God. So there will come seasons when you don't seem to be getting anything out of reading your Bible. Read it anyway. There are seasons when you don't seem to be getting anything out of worship. Worship anyway. There are seasons when you don't seem to be receiving life from prayer. Pray anyway. Because what it says in Isaiah 54 verse verse 1 is sing, O barren woman. And what that means is coming out of Isaiah 53, out of the suffering servant, to sing is to drive it into your heart from your head. Over and over and over, repeatedly think and pray and sing it into your heart. And there's such a way as singing yourself into freedom. Because uh, Because what we continue to see is that the psalmist... Instead of just listening to himself, he then starts speaking to himself. And our biggest problem is not that we just, that we're believing lies. Our biggest problem is that we listen to ourselves instead of speaking to ourselves. He begins to say here in verse 5, verse 11, in Psalm 43, 5, he says, Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God. For I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. He is now beginning to speak to himself. He's beginning to speak the truth and, this, and life into himself. And there's only so much listening to ourselves that we can do before it becomes unhealthy. And at some point, we must go, stop. This is what the word of God says. This is who God says I am. This is what he said about me. And when I begin to do that over my life, all of a sudden my faith is activated and I start to go deeper into him than I've ever gone before. Life comes in. But notice what he says in those passages. He says, put your hope in God. So one of the reasons that his heart is hard towards God is because he has misplaced hope. He's put his hope in something else or someone else than God. He's put his hope in an outcome. He's put his hope in what he thinks it should be like instead of his hope in who God is. And in the areas of my life where I've struggled to hear God the most is where I put my hope in what I thought should happen. 
happened when I, I, was, I was dating this girl before Hendria, and um, I was struggling with whether to ask her out or not. She, w- she was ending her, her internship at the church, and she was going to be moving away, and I didn't want to do a long-distance thing. And I was walking through the parking lot one day towards the office, and I just heard the Lord whisper to my heart. He said, John, she's supposed to stay here, and she's going to help you. All right. Well, her internship came up in, I think it was about a week. She decided to extend it independently of me for another year. And I thought, aha, the word of the Lord is coming to pass. And then she started coming up to help me with my young adult church that I was leading. So she was helping to lead worship. And in my mind, I went, she's meant to stay here. She's going to help me. Therefore, we will be married. We will have many children, beautiful children running around, and it will be fine. Because obviously, it's the word of the Lord coming true. A couple months later, we broke up. And I went through about eight months after that where I struggled to hear God's voice. Because I put all my hope in what I thought was going to happen instead of what God had actually said. And when I look back over my life now, I go, yeah, she stayed. Yeah, she helped me. Because I would not be married to Hendria were I I not in that previous relationship. I learned so much. I grew so much. This maturity started to be built into me. The word of the Lord came absolutely true, but my interpretation of it absolutely had the potential to shipwreck my faith. And what I started to do was I started to say, God, I take back the hope I had in our future. God, I take back the hope that I had in our future family. God, I take back my idea for where we could have gone and what we could have done. And God, I place my hope in you. You alone have my hope. God, and I trust you that you will bring a family into my life. I trust you that you'll bring a wife into my life. I trust you that you will bring kids into my life. I trust you for the outcome of what my heart truly, really wants. And there are some of you who have actually walked away from Jesus because of misplaced hope from your past. And I hear the Father this morning saying that he's drawing you back. He's drawing you back. And he's bringing you closer to him. Because this misplaced hope is something I think that we all deal with. Only we call it a midlife crisis right? We reach middle age and we go, oh, my life is nothing like I thought it would be. My, my wife is a little bit different. My kids are a little bit different. My car is different. I thought I'd have this much in my bank account. I thought I'd have this many homes and this many vacation homes and this many private jets and da, 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 da. And we become disillusioned with life. And there's two ways that we can deal with that. And then there's the way with Jesus. The first way we deal with that is we, is we blame our circumstances. We go, oh, it's obviously my wife. A new wife will fix it. Oh, it's obviously my car. Let me trade it in. It's obviously my house. Let me buy a new house. It's o- and we find it's not very long before the new wife is just like the old wife. And the new job is just like the old job. And the new house is just like the old house. Why? Because our circumstances, are, our circumstances haven't been dictating our hope. We have. An external change in circumstances doesn't change an internal attitude of the heart. 
and we try and we try to medicate ourselves and we try to find solutions externally when really the problem is internal. So then the other way that we deal with it is we go, oh, oh, when I was young, I was naive. When I was young, I was stupid. And really, I just got to deal with the relentlessness of life. I just got to deal. Life is just one big disappointment, and then we die. That's fine. That's just how I'm going to live. I know people that have done this. And if you do this, what it means is that you have to dehumanize yourself. You have to actually cut out a piece of you that is made by God to hope. And then the third way. Third way is from one of my favorite chapters by C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. It's the chapter on hope. It's four short pages. But I'd like to read to you what he says. The Christian says, while creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists, a baby feels hunger while there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim while there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire while there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it to suggest the real thing. And if that's the reality, that means that actually the unfulfilled hope in our hearts is actually meant to point us to God. And actually we're supposed to say, God, my spouse may not necessarily be living up, but you are the best spouse I could ever have. God, my job may not be satisfying me, but you are the real satisfaction, and at the end of time, I inherit you. God, my kids may have turned out very different than what I thought, but God, you are the one who satisfies. You are the one who fulfills. And we begin to put our hope in him. And when we begin to put our hope in him, our hearts begin to come alive. We begin to come alive because we are tasting of eternity. We are tasting of eternal blessing. We are tasting of eternal purposes. And that gives our life here on earth incredible purpose and incredible worth. And next week, Michael is going to be preaching this phenomenal message about the mission that God has for you. And that is really what the desires in your heart are meant to lead you to, is to discover the mission that he's called you on. Because in him, those are fulfilled. But what happens if our hearts are numb? If our hearts are cold, if our, if your, our hearts are numb because of sin, the best thing to do is to repent. And don't repent like we normally do. I always used to repent, especially when I was in the throes of addiction to pornography. I always used to repent by going, God, 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 I'm so sorry. God, I'm so terrible. God, I'm so wrong. But when we do that, if you've heard the phrase, you love the sinner, but you hate the sin, you're actually hating the sinner because you're piling on yourself, but you're loving the sin because you're secretly, you know 
oh, I can't wait until I can see it or do it or, or whatever. The way to change that is to remove our hope from there and put it back into God. If your hearts are hard because of community, because of lack of community, the greatest thing you could do is to humble yourself and tell your friend and invite someone to speak into your life. The reason we normally don't do this is because we're afraid. We're afraid of what people are going to say. We're afraid to say it out loud. We're afraid to admit it to ourselves. We're afraid that they're just going to give us advice. Oh, your heart's hard. Oh, well, have you tried a couple things? Have you pled the blood? Have you read your Bible? Have you fasted? Have you prayed? Have you claimed the promises? Have you, have you, have you, have you, have you, have you, have you? The greatest thing you can do to someone, if someone, the greatest thing you can do for someone if they confess that they're dry is to go, oh, I'm really sorry. I've walked through that as well. Sometimes hearing me too from someone else makes you go, oh. If it's lack of community, dive deeper into community. If it's because you misplaced your hope, it's time, it's time. You've waited too long. It's time to take your hope back. It's time to put it into God. Because if you don't, you will follow the path of the psalmist and it will lead you into depression. Right? Something happened, but he didn't remedy it and, and stayed there. And as it continued, it continued to build and to grow and to fester. And this morning is the beginning of that, to take, taking your hope back. And for some of you, you just need to know God, God isn't hiding from you. He's hiding for you. He's drawing you closer to him. This is a season of you actually discovering a different way that he's preaching, a different way that he's speaking to you, a different way that he's singing over you, a different way that he's wooing you into love with him. He's calling you, and he has not stopped calling you. And he will not stop because he is just so good. So I'm going to invite you to stand I'm going to invite the ministry team to come forward. And while they're coming up, I'd like you to hold out your hands in front of you. I'd like you to close your eyes and begin to speak to the Lord. Where's your heart at? What is he saying to you and what is he calling you to? And Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you blow across our hearts once again? Would you begin to move us to you? And for some of you, I, I saw the Lord coming and his presence was landing on you in a way that you have not experienced or encountered before. For some of you, we release physical healing into your body. There was a word earlier this morning about knees being healed. And if there's bad knees, I believe God wants to heal you. If there's something going on in your mind, I believe God wants to rewire your mind, rewire the brain. But Lord, would you come right now and would your fire 
begin to fall on our hearts afresh and anew. And every area where our hearts have been cold, where our, where our hearts have been hard, would you come and let your fire come and begin to rest and dwell on us and fall on us. And in your gentle way, Abba, come and draw us. Take us by the hand and draw us into you. And for some of you, I see you being in a hard season. I see the Lord taking your hand and he's pulling you through. You've been saying, God, where are you? And he's actually in front of you, pulling you on. And for some of you, you've been, you're, you feel like you're at the end of your strength. And I see the Father coming and picking you up and helping you carry on and actually carrying you through. So Lord, we submit to you. God, we submit our hearts to you. God, we submit our spirits to you. God, we submit our minds to you. Would you come right now? Would you blow across this place? Would you come and draw us closer to you? In every area, in every area in our lives, God, come. Say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Now, as, I, as I've been preaching, there are some of you who, who you know this is for you. You know that your hearts have been numb or your hearts have been drier. I'm going to invite you to boldly come out of your seat without delay and come up to the front and allow our ministry team to pray with you. Allow community to come around you and grace to be released upon your heart. Fresh grace and fresh life in the mighty name of Jesus without shame, without fear, come. And there are some of you, as I've been speaking, you know that you're, you know that the misplaced hope that I was talking about is you. You've misplaced your hope. You've trusted in something or someone more than you've trusted in God. And this, this afternoon, this is the time to begin to take that trust back and put it in God. And if that's you, I want you to begin to say out loud, God, I choose to, in the mighty name of Jesus, I choose to take my hope back. I choose to take hope from this circumstance. I choose to remove the way that I thought it should have happened or what they should have done or whatever. And God, I put it into you. God, I trust you. God, we trust you this morning. We say that you are the great love of our lives. You are the great hope of our hearts. You're the ultimate fulfillment that we have been searching for and longing for. And just as the deer cries out for the living God, cries out for water, God, I thank you that you are bringing us to fulfillment. And in it, our souls will be watered. In it, we will be fresh and alive in you. So we bless you, church family. We bless you to become alive in God like you've never been before. We bless you to be full of his passion and full of his power and full of his life and full of his presence, that you would know him all the days of your life, and that you would walk with him and hear his voice as he gently and humbly leads you and calls you deeper. Because there are some of you, I hear the Father saying, it's time to go deeper. It's time to go deeper. Actually, the reason why you've struggled a little bit is because you heard the invitation to go deeper, but you haven't responded yet. And this afternoon is the time to respond. This afternoon is the time to go deeper, that you would be rooted and established and grow in Him, that you would flourish and thrive. 
and that you would know we bless you with power in your inner being to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, that you would know his love that goes beyond all understanding, that you would be rooted and grounded in him, and that you would be incredibly fruitful all the days of your life in the mighty name of Jesus. We say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit and blow across us once again and blow us closer to Jesus closer to his heart.